Greetings, superstars. Welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. I'm Danny Katz, transformation agent, empowered badassery coach, and quantum languaging consultant. And I'm so happy you're here. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated version of yourself. We do this by sharing quantum languaging upgrades, conscious communication tools, witchy life hacks, planetary service announcements, and high-vibing, deep-diving conversations with original thinkers, visionary weirdos, and rebel badasses. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. <laughs> Be sure to hit that subscribe button and to join us on Locals at dannycats.locals.com where you can watch the video versions of all our episodes including those that are a little bit too spicy for the non-free speech friendly platforms. And it's also where paid subscribers can tune into the second half of all my interviews and enjoy a plethora of other bonuses, including live monthly Q&As, unpublished writings and videos, and behind the scenes intel. Join our quickly growing tribe of high vibe superstars at dannycats.locals.com. Okay, now that we've got all our housekeeping out of the way, let's enjoy today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by the Krimis. Chris and Steve Krimi did me the phenomenal honor of coming onto the show to talk about their experience in ancient yoga philosophy, in biodynamic gardening, um, to talk about their experience publishing books with their publishing imprint, Logo Sophia. So the Creamies landed on my radar by way of Emily Moyer, Freeman Fly, Robert Phoenix. The Creamies appear on these podcasts on the regular because they're critical thinkers and they have such a broad knowledge base in terms of philosophy in terms of Far Eastern mysticism, and it lends this really beautiful lens of perception and um, on our current culture and really helps to make meaning of what the hell is going on these days. So I had so much fun chatting with the Creamies. As always, the first half of today's podcast is free to the public. The second half is available for my paid supporters on both my Locals and Patreon pages. So you can find the second half of today's chat along with all of my second half podcast interviews at dannycats.locals.com and at patreon.com slash dannycats. As well, I highly encourage you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com which is the best way to ensure that we can stay in touch and it's going to be your best means of keeping abreast of new books, hint, hint, a new one's coming out before the end of the year, webinars, homeschool courses, workshops, live events, videos, podcasts, etc., etc., etc. I promise I never share your information with anyone else 
And when you sign up, you do get a free PDF, five quantum languaging hacks for instant empowerment. I think that does it for today's housekeeping. Buckle up and get ready for my conversation with Chris and Steve Primmy. sell like get your your book audiences from <laughs> um yeah from well from our mailing list and from you know we we try we do you know what advertising we can you know hither, we can hither pay and for. Yawn. that's where they come from it's really the advertising is so expensive but you know we belong to um various uh you know the uh was it the ibpa the uh independent booksellers association and we belong to uh we work a lot with ford reviews they do a lot of indie books and they're really taken with our author uh, mindy melts the, the woman who runs that so you know we get a little you know a little exposure here and there um but it's really tough you try to get reviews we get we get great endorsements we do. We've, we've we have, been very we've had, fortunate. But that hasn't helped anything. Really good endorsements. As Peter Lamborn Wilson told us, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> endorsements, reviews don't matter, you know, trying to get good reviews and all that. So, you know, I was we were hoping that, you know, talking to people who would be interested. Well, let us hold the intention that today's show sells 20 books. Wouldn't that be Wouldn't special? That Wouldn't that be so great? That would be great. Yeah, and you have a little yes, bit audience. So yes, yes. You do. I believe. I would expect that you would have a, a, an audience that likes to turn pages. I do have a literary audience for sure. Yes. That's why I, that's why I wore my Thomas Pynchon shirt. Oh, I love. I can't really see it, but screaming comes across the sky. It's the first line of Gravity's Rainbow. It's oh, cool. nice. I'm it's such a fan of first lines. I think it's such a big deal. Like. How are how are authors going to open their books? Yeah. This is the one of the best of all time. The screaming comes across the sky. It has all happened before, but there's nothing to compare it to now. Oh, I love <laughs> that. Wouldn't that be such a great book? Just a compilation of best first lines. I wonder if anyone's done it. I'm sure that I'm sure they've been uh, compiled. You know, first and last see lines. Danny's wheels will turn. Yeah, you know, <laughs> always, always. Times it was the worst of times. It's a far, far better thing. If you need, you don't even need to read that book. <laughs> just, you just got the first line. Yes. First and last line. It. Well, that's why they're important because they're encapsulations. If they're all right, they're what Robert Gilbert would call packed thought forms. Ooh, I like that. Can you unpack what a packed thought form is? Exactly what it sounds like. It's like, a, like, it's like a yoga sutra is a packed thought form. So it's an encapsulation in a very terse statement, but it's like pregnant with possibility. And yeah. it gives birth to worlds. Mm -hmm. I love that. Right? I love that. So it's one of those lines that you could just like unpack and dive into for lifetimes. So what does that mean? A screaming comes across the sky. They're just great conversation starters. They're totally. great for feeding the imagination, for generating new conversation or new 
perceptions, new ideas, opening your eyes to something you didn't see. Whereas if a long, like um, Rumi says, do you need long sermons on this? Mm -hmm. Uh huh. You know? So right. sometimes a long sermon will just put someone to sleep. But a pithy statement of truth is like a spiritual carrier wave. It's shot like an arrow, like, you know, a Boris the Skywalker. Do you know that? that no, will you unpack that for us? Yeah. Um, oh, are we on? Is this, is, this is like, we're on, this is how we do it. We this snuck in. Fly, huh? cool. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, I didn't want to waste anything in the well, pre show. Yeah, we will do a much better story about telling who a Boris the Skywalker is. Okay. In, uh, in the, in the, uh, all the ancient um, biographies of Pythagoras. Okay. We talk about someone named Abaris. And uh, Peter Kingsley wrote a book about it called um, A Story Waiting to Pierce You. Excellent book. And it's what Abaris is, he's a Scythian shaman. Mm -hmm. And he, and also, you know, also the Buddha was most likely a Scythian shaman, not a Nepalese um, son, prince. Uh, both, we, we repeat the word that's preceding shaman. Scythian, S-C-Y-T-H-I-A-N. Scythian. I've only read the word. Scythian. Scythian. I've only read the word. I've not looked, you know, at the, where the schwas are or anything. In it. <laughs> so um, anyway, so so he is carry. He's he's a he's a he's a shaman for lack of a better word, and he carries an arrow, and an arrow actually carries him. Mm -hmm. so he does this type of walking, skywalking, you might call it, where the arrow propels him there are stories in tibet about these sorts of things too um, mm. you know, so this particular arrow carries him and as he goes uh, works his way from um what's now north of the black sea uh towards greece he is propelled by this arrow and he goes and he stays at places and he cleanses them so there's mm. this uh, long tradition of uh, of of gods, actually, goddesses mostly, um, going around and, and, and cleansing an area. You've got Demeter after uh, after she loses Persephone going on this walkabout. You've got mm. Eo that I talk about in my new book, um, Hermes Runs the Game, it's not out yet. Um, this, this cow goddess Eo that traverses Greece. So, so, this is con this, so there's this tradition of some magical person cleansing the landscape, purifying mm -hmm. the landscape. Also mm -hmm. in Ireland, EO shows up in Ireland. And the god, yeah, the, cod, god the white cow. Yeah, white cow goddess also um, called Bo. Bo means Bo, cow. Bo, Bo Finn. Bo Finn is the white cow. So I'm, I'm wondering if this is related. I, I just read a short book about a shaman from the Khan lineage who carries an arrow. And he was like this mysterious figure. And it was all about this like arrow of truth and what he did. And in reading that book, I was I didn't realize that the Dalai Lama had come from the Khan lineage. And then it kind of upended so many things where I'm like, why are we worshiping this person as a holy figure when he comes from a lineage of genocidal maniacs? Well, that's indeed that's a whole that's a, and actually Peter Kingsley's book gets into that. Yeah, I was and say the that, arrow yeah. there is related to what's called the Purba, P -U -R -B -A, okay. right? Which is which apparently they would use as like a magical assassin um, thing in, in the, the Tibetans. And especially when they were, the Tibetan Buddhists were eliminated, the bone, the, uh, the ancient um, 
you know, the pre-Tibetan uh, sure. religions they had, you know, who had these swastika going the opposite direction and all that sort of thing. And they're, you know, very um, tribal and, and archaic. And of course, all the stories are of, you know, um, was it Pod, Pod, not, not Pod, was it Padma Sambhava who came so. in yeah. and took over and, mm -hmm. and um, eliminated, turned all the, the deities of the bone into protectors of the Dharma for Tibet. Well, there was a lot of, also a lot of eliminating the other shamans from the Tibetan, early Tibetan Buddhists. And this is why, because it was always, I know we're, we're, we're going far from the bars, but this, this, that's okay. That is why the, um, you know, when we first heard uh, the first stories coming out of Tibet when, you know, the books come back, like Richard Avedon and all the books are like the eighties mm -hmm. um, were coming out about what happened in Tibet. Um, you know, the Tibetans, when the Chinese invaded them and took them over, they, their first reaction was, well, they were getting a karmic payback for something. And it was never clear to me at the time what that was. Mm -hmm. So maybe it is the elimination of this, uh, of, of this whole bond thing and this elimination of their archaic roots mm -hmm. um, through that. Mm -hmm. So what Abaris is restoring the archaic roots and he makes his travel, cleanses the land and he meets up with Pythagoras, I believe in Croton, which is like sort of in the instep of the boot of Italy. And uh, he, he, I don't know, I, I don't know where the arrow plays in, in their meeting. So, but he, he but he is a priest of, uh, of Hyperbean Apollo and Pythagoras claims that he is an incarnation in some way of Apollo and then shows his golden thigh to everyone that would be indication that he is at least part divine. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the carrying of it. And this, you know, and this is a really important story for the sacred origins of Western civilization, which we have completely and absolutely lost and then and then you know bulldozed over and we don't even know that there was one which is mm -hmm. why we have to go to other cultures to you know who have at least a connection to their sacred origins mm -hmm. so, okay yeah. oh sorry. oh no please go ahead chris i was just gonna add to that that peter kingsley's book a story waiting to pierce you is a very short book only about 85 pages however there are also 85 pages of annotated footnotes which mm -hmm. are every bit as juicy as the mm -hmm. story itself. So in those footnotes, he gives, he lays out because he felt that he would need to defend this position of saying that the Tibetans themselves, the Lamas, the lineage of the Lamas was responsible for, for major genocide of the Banpo people of the religion. So he really felt like he needed to defend that argument. And so his footnotes are, incredible yeah, that one is like 20 pages yeah foot, that 15, <laughs> is 15 pages of of one note just on that genocide so okay i'm gonna need to go back because i listened to the audio version of this but i realized that i must have missed this this lovely woman reads it on youtube in three different parts it's so sweet i love it when people do that when they just oh, take what? it upon themselves this kingsley book oh, um start waiting to pierce you yes but oh, I don't think she read the footnotes, um, which oh. has me wanting to go. I definitely need to go back and read oh, that. Definitely. The footnotes are, that's where the party is. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for saying sure. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kingsley, <laughs> don't King, miss the footnotes. Yeah, Kingsley is very sly. 
we worked with Peter Maria Kingsley for a good number of years, five, five six, six years, years, and we practiced the ancient Greek um, uh, practice of incubation, which is you know what Pythagoras did, was what all the ancient Greeks did, and um, it's like you know well, you know yoga, it's it's basically the shavasana. Mm-hmm. where you lie the corpse pose where you where you lie in complete and absolute surrender and um sink into in, to connection with the sometimes with the chitonic deities um so anyway so it, he's he's a trickster kingsley mm-hmm. and um so you, you're gonna find as he said himself said you know when i'm when i'm being humorous is when i'm really serious mm-hmm. and when i'm serious you know, you can forget about what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an interesting character and I love a very that. interesting mystic. And, and, and an impeccable scholar. Hmm. Cool. Well, I had wanted to start off with you guys to give some context. And I'm going to continue to bookmark that because I feel like this conversation is so juicy. I'm curious to know, like, how does this change what we think we understand and clearly don't about Western civilization and what our origins really are here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Peter Kingsley bases a lot of his work on the pre-Socratic teachers, Empedocles and Parmenides. And the Parmenides poem, it talks about a journey to the, in, through the underworld and making contact with the goddess. And he then, she gifts him with the laws and justice. He meets with justice itself and brings these laws back to the people mm-hmm. so that this is, this is how you are supposed to live. And so Peter Kingsley's work really focuses on that and says that that was the original note upon which Western civilization was sounded. It's a frequency. Mm-hmm. And so what's, it's the, and frequencies degrade. So mm-hmm. now the frequency has played out, it's degraded, it's pixelated. And now what's needed is for Western civilization to resound the original note because the purity of that has been sullied. Mm. So in essence, I think that's mainly the thrust of Peter's work. But those mm-hmm. two iatromantis, which are, it's a title for a, a healer priest. Mm-hmm. That's what these men were. They were essentially yogis and mystics but their their message and their delivery system was through this image this lens of sounding that frequency Mm -hmm. and reclaiming that because it has been degraded terribly it's in the poetry itself um and then empedocles also he's he's famous for uh, you know being so the, the standard you take a philosophy 101 course and they'll give you know five minutes to pre-socratics and what they'll tell you is they're sort of proto scientists and uh you know proto natural philosophers and why do they say that it's because aristotle told him so and <laughs> um and so you know but in but in fact and aristotle hated them because they wrote in hexameter they wrote in verse mm-hmm. and i'm going to ask you to to recite the parmenides poem in a second okay if you can remember how it. much of it <laughs> well no if you well, what you can remember it's it's oral well, tradition I, I can but i can you can i can go get my my okay, okay. so the um it is a wonderful time so so there are certain you know practices and the practices in the temples and, and everywhere where you would 
lies still in incubation. So Empedocles was, is famous for the four elements, right? So he's this proto-scientist, so how cute, you know, he came up with the four elements. But the four elements were, were, were deities, just like if you, if you study, um, you know, the yoga system, the yoga Samkhya um, system. Samkhya is like a, a, a sister school to yoga. Where, um, where a lot of the terminology that's used in yoga uh, comes from. It's one of this, this like six major schools, um, you know, Vedanta being one and, and uh, yoga and Samkhya. And there are a couple of other ones that are not followed anymore. But the, um, the, the uh, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a problem. So in, um, so you would lie down in the in the in these places. So anyway, so the, so the, oh, in yoga, the um, the senses are deities. All right, the senses are considered deities. So so you are you know. So this is this divinizes your whole life. Mm -hmm. Your experience is divine, and and you know, and then if you follow it, you understand that the divine experiences the world through you. Mm -hmm. There is no independently, according to my particular experiences and studying of the text, there is no world out there independent of you. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can forget about, you know, flat earth, round earth, concave earth, concave, <laughs> whatever. You can forget about it because all of them relate or are, are, are relate to, um, you know, various constructs. Mm -hmm. right? They're all various constructs. But in reality, there's only the earth you experience. You only experience the earth when you put your foot down on it. That's what divinizes it. And there's a particular Rigvedic poem called the Hymn to Purusha that um, delineates that. That's in the, the book I've already published. Um, it's name of my book, Catabatic Wind. <laughs> Good crack fueled by um, fumes from the abyss. So, um, Which I highly recommend everyone listening, watching, grab a, grab a copy of and read because it's beautiful. It's beautifully written. It's Thank so you, deep. It's just fantastic. What an achievement. I, I, I really, and it's becoming for you, I take that as a really high compliment, you know, because now, now the book I'm writing now, I'm like, I'm writing and I'm saying, I'm, you know, usually I never had like the thing writing, you know, like imagine your audience, but now mm. I'm writing for you. So <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm honored. Oh, Danny will like this. <laughs> Put that in the uh, acknowledge, not, I'll put in the acknowledgements in, in the yes. front. Yes. Oh, Danny will like this. So, <laughs> How will Danny hear this? Right. So, um, <laughs> right, because because the other two people that I write write for died this year. So yeah. So um, sadly. So uh, yeah, I was actually really sad writing the other day. So, oh no, you know our friend Gene and uh, Peter Lamborn Wilson, uh, they're not going to read this. We lost our teacher yeah. this year. So anyway, so that so this. Um, the Parmenides poem where he goes down and meets Persephone. And Persephone does two things. She teaches him about being, which is absolute reality. It's changeless, it's deathless, it's everywhere, it's nowhere, you know, it's, it's the substrate of everything. So she sees that, then she says, but also I'm gonna teach you about, um, I'm gonna teach you about the construct. She didn't use that word. So she's so that you can have an advantage over everyone else. So in other words, I'm going to teach you about all the lies and everything else. So she teaches both aspects. And this is and this is our, you know, our particular dilemma living here 
experiencing this world, you know, uh, being divine, both, you know, we are the, you know, that's what the cross is. It's the, uh, it's the intersection of the imminent and the transcendent, and which, which is crosses right at our heart. So this is, you know, this is our dilemma is, is, is really working both, and they seem antithetical. You know, the fact that we experience a, a physical world, we experience, you know, I have, you know, I have to have this singular perspective or I can't cross the room. Right. Know? Right. Or, or now we're, we're radical extremists. <laughs> right. Well, we are I'm proud of it. We are and because this <laughs> is radical. You know, if you look at the teachings of Christ, they are radical. You know, love your love your enemy as yourself. That's radical. It just means root. You know, right. Radix. Radix. Yes. Radicio. Yeah. It, you're getting at the root of things, the mm -hmm. foundational. So I think I covered mm -hmm. that sufficiently if you want, because I think the poem is really important. The, the Parmenides poem. So Chris is going to read a, a little couple, bit of it. I don't know how much you want me to read. I don't want to bore people. Um, no, no, no. This sounds extremely important because this is, it sounds like this is where the, I don't want to say infection came in, but the mm, duality yeah, came in. Yeah, say that. Yeah. The well, candida. It comes in, yeah. Okay. It comes in with rationalism, with Greek rationalism to me. And, you know, as we get further and further extracted from direct experience, Right. And, and all through time. And you can follow it as science, you know, moving from, you know, Bacon to Descartes and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we're further and further distracted. You know, when Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. No, no, it's the other way around. It's I am, therefore I think. Right. You know, so he's, that's where the inversion is complete. Oh, interesting. And do you think that was a deliberate di inversion? No, I think, I, I, um, I don't know. I don't. It could I, just be a fall from. I, Grace. I think it's <laughs> once the once the infection sets in, it metastasizes. Right. right. I'm going to make a suggestion for this reading of the poem. Sometimes you can put people to sleep if you just read. Okay. So if you like, I you tell me. I can either read it straight through, or I can read it. And if there's something that lights you up, we can stop and talk about it. Okay, let's do that. That sounds like that way. Yeah, okay. totally. And as well, if you're reading and you have the idea to unpack something, we welcome that as well. Okay, good, very good. Good, good. The man, oh, I'm going to say something before I even start. The criticism by scholars of this poem is that he wasn't, Parmenides was not a very good poet. Okay. He's repeating himself. He says things over and over the same thing. And it's not good poetry. Well, Peter Kingsley was looking at it and saying, that's because you don't understand that what this is, is an incantation. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. So hear that as I'm reading it and feel that you're, you're being called by the goddess and you're hearing this faint call and you're being carried by her, her, her come hither voice. Okay. okay? The mares that carry me as far as longing can reach rode on. Once they had come and fetched me onto the legendary road of the divinity that carries the man who, who knows through the vast and dark unknown. And on I was carried as the mares, aware just where to go, kept carrying me, straining at the chariot, and young women led the way. So you can even say, so the road, the legendary road of the divinity is the road to death, the road 
follow. So this is this. So this is an initiatory door, life, death, rebirth, initiatory. So he's going to he's going to Tartarus and returning, right? Which, which very is, which very few can only do. the psychoprompt can do that. And, I'm also uh, getting from this like which is so absent these days, but like the revering and honoring and presencing of the feminine. He's being carried into the unknown, yeah. availing himself to it, letting the mares carry him, yeah, you know, like that's even, so different than how it is these days. You could even see it as being carried through the birth channel. Right. Yes. And, I just got that hit, and that, the, you know. And the women who guide are called the daughters of the sun. Mm -hmm. All the, every, all the, he meets nothing but goddesses on this journey, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, at the portals, but yeah. So this, this is really, this is worth this. Is and this brings in the senses now. And the axle in the hubs let out the sound of a pipe blazing from the pressure of the two well-rounded wheels at either side. As they rapidly let on, young women, girls, daughters of the sun who had left the mansions of night for the light and pushed back the veils from their faces with their hands. So the axle sound is a, is a, is a shrinks, which is the instrument invented by Hermes mm -hmm. after he invents the lyre and gives it to Apollo uh, to, to the, for the shepherds. So it's this shrill sound. So this sound of the axle is this sound of, 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 of moving into the underworld. A lot of people get hear sounds, tones in, in meditations and things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, so I think it's also you could uh, associate it with chakras have different tones. So right? the axle wheel sound is also the sound of, and we'll get to, get to is the doors between mm -hmm. the, the worlds. There are the gates on the pathways of night and day held fast in place between the lintel above and the threshold of stone. They reach right up into the heavens filled with gigantic doors. Now, there's an uplift already. And the keys that now open and now lock are held fast by justice. She who always demands exact returns. Mm. And with soft, seductive words, the girls cunningly persuaded her to push back immediately just for them the bar that bolts the gates. And as the doors flew open, making the bronze axles with their pegs and nails spin, now one, now the other, in their pipes, they created a gaping chasm, a gaping chasm. Straight through and on the girls held fast their course for the chariot and horses straight down the road. The justice is a goddess in Greece. Metis, you know, they're all, they're all goddesses. Mm -hmm. that, that eventually get downgraded. And the goddess welcomed me kindly and took my right hand in hers and spoke these words as she addressed me. Welcome, young man, partnered by immortal charioteers, reaching our home with the mares that carry you. For it was no hard fate that sent you traveling this road, so far away from the beaten track of humans, but rightness and justice. And that's what's needed for you to learn all things, both the unshaken heart of persuasive truth and the opinions of mortals in which there is nothing that can truthfully be trusted at all. Mm, okay, that, that just feels so, that section, mm -hmm. because what, even persuasive truth, I was like, 
Why does truth need to be persuaded right. if it's truth? Yes, exactly, exactly. And then it went into to humans, which that then everything goes awry from there. Right, everything, <laughs> yeah, goes sideways, right? right? Right. Well, this is, and this is something that Kingsley talks about also. Um, and and um, in fact, I was just interesting. I just, you know, Cynthia Chung, who's with Mount Erich, she's, um, Canadian Canadian scholars, they're getting a lot of play these days and they do some you interesting work. Interesting. Okay. But they, she did this whole thing on Plato. But in, anyway, um, the sophists get a really bad name and that's the persuasive, that's the understanding of oh, persuasive truth. Because hmm. the sophists oh. taught rhetoric persuasion. It's like parcel right? tongue. Right. And 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 they get this this name because they they're, they're considered like you know whatever like the great propagandist and you can see that you know the rhetor rhetoricians of today exemplified you know in, in bullshit speech uh, on uh, nine one uh, by Biden or, Boy, okay. or whatever it was <laughs> no um, words right but this is I the mean, continuation really no <laughs> of why they they don't like the sophists. Whereas, but whereas you, if you, you know, you understand the classical training was the, was the quadrivium and the trivium mm -hmm. and the trivium was um, uh, rhetoric, grammar, oh shit. Music. Third one. No, 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 no. no the trivium, ratio. rhetoric, grammar, mm -hmm. and um, uh, it'll come to me. Anyway. Somebody knows. Somebody anyway, knows. so this is what these people If talk. only we were live. <laughs> oh, we're not live. Oh, we're well. not live. <laughs> oh, well, in the comments section. Is it logic? Yes, thank you, thank you. Yes, hey, yes. Danny. Logic. So, so, and what, and so what, and what? Uh, this is Persephone that's doing the talking here, though she's she's not named often in the ancient world because she was like she didn't like to be named. Mm -hmm. Well, because that's the mystery. Right. So there's just so called you don't, um, you don't lift your skirts. Yeah, Thea, T H E A. Thea is how it's how she's um, addressed. Okay. But even so, this too you will learn how beliefs based on appearance ought to be believable as they travel all through all there is. I will do the talking and it is up to you to carry my words once you have heard them. What I will tell you is which roads of inquiry and which roads alone exist for thinking. This is where you have to follow it so will you repeat that last part again mm -hmm. which wrote the loan mm -hmm. okay right because she the words they kind of twist and yeah and, right and you really need to like don't resist them fold with them right you can okay i will do the talking and it is up to you to carry away my words once you have heard them mm -hmm. so you give voice to my words mm -hmm. what i will tell you is which roads of inquiry and which roads alone exist for thinking. Now, we don't know what she means by thinking. thinking. Right. Okay, so that's a little, con okay, so we have to put that on the shelf mm -hmm. and just trust and that. I don't know the Greek word offhand. Because it's like road for inquiry, which I initially thought was thinking, then I'm realizing, oh, maybe that's curiosity. Yes. And questioning in more of an engaging factor yes. versus thinking, yes. which is more of a solo. Well. 
undertaking, but right. for, for understanding, like you inquire because please, I don't understand. Please, can you say more? Right. right. And, and also on the understanding that she is also saying, I'll do the talking, you bring this back and, and you don't mess with my words. Right. Oh, don't ever change the word. Don't mm -hmm. do not. Um, and which roads alone exist for thinking? So there were two different roads. One is right. for inquiry and one is for pondering thinking. Maybe that's maybe that's what well, you need to she gets into it. digest. Mm -hmm. She does. She, she explains more. The one route that is and is not possible not to be. Okay. <laughs> is the way of persuasion. No, no. It's not okay, good, good, good. Sorry. For persuasion is truth's attendant. Uh, this is so mind-blowing right now because I automatically equate persuasion with propaganda. Well, maybe not always. Yes, yes and no. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, let's just say it's a downgrading of it. So instead of propagandizing for, for the real, you're propagating for- Have you, you ever know, tried influence. to have a persuasive argument or discussion even where you're trying to persuade for the argument of good? In I mean, I words, think now I'm thinking it's what I do all the time. It's my every book or video. Yes. I, I'm, yes. I am persuading. Exactly. So let's read exactly. it again. So you're, 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 it's like being an advocacy for truth. Right. Okay. So let's read it again now with our maybe, maybe correct understanding of it. <laughs> we don't know. The one route that is and is not possible not to be is the way of persuasion. For persuasion is truth's attendant. And as for the other, that is not and is necessary not to be. This, I can tell you, is a path from which no news returns. And did this writing predate the printing press? Oh, what? It, it was BC. He's um, Parmenides is a generation before Socrates, and probably more. Even though Plato has uh, a, a dialogue called the Parmenides, and he has Socrates as a young man meeting Parmenides. Parmenides would have been too old for that for most people's. But and that's a whole other story of how how Plato, um, in a sense, co-ops Parmenides. Mm -hmm. He's like he's like saying, no, 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 I'm the I'm the big dog now. Hmm. But so, it would also speak to the need for persuasion if we don't have books, if everything's transmitted orally. Yes. Then yes. that's on us yes. to be, you know, to refine yes. our. our well, that's why you have debates. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even the Tibetans, you know, they have their debates and then they, when they're done, they. Yeah. They put a cap on it. <laughs> All right. That's period. The yeah. end of my sentence. Yeah. And I, I'm firm on that. Yeah. And Plato and Plato eventually you know in in was it the mino no i can't remember i can't remember which dialogue but he 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 um condemns writing you know saying it's you know it's not uh it's you know it's, it's you know it's just memorization now you know and he goes through and he has this this king um argue with um hermes thoth who's the inventor of writing and uh, he calls him thuth t-h-u-t-h -h, in this dialogue and you know, says, nah, this is no gift. What, what's writing for? You know, it's just going to mess up everything. Well, you know, 
Plato would be like this barely an asterisk in history if he wasn't writing. Everything right. So, so Plato's is, is sly too. You know, Plato's playing, you got to read Plato, you know, not on the surface level. You got to try to figure out what he's really getting at. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so he's condemning writing at the same time as he's completely and absolutely dependent on it. Is know? it like a fight club thing? Like, I'm going to say no a, a zillion times until you develop the strength to mm -hmm. challenge me on that? Well, no one, yeah, I don't know. No one challenges Plato on that. Everyone like just bows, bows to Plato, uh, you mm -hmm. know, um, you know, and, and I, in fact, I've, I lost a friend who wrote a book on the, um, on the golden mean, because I've, because I have a very different reading of Plato's cave than pretty much anyone else. So, um, you know, and he, he hasn't talked to me since, you know, it's just like- Isn't that so crazy when we lose friends just because we think I'll about- he doesn't even remember it. How much you want to bet? I hope that's the case. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so then it- then It, it, it then wasn't it, really that then older. it's me. Any, I think it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Your problem. I, I'll cop to that. <laughs> okay. All right. So is that, are we comfortable with that? Yes. Okay. There is no way that you can recognize what is not. There is no traveling that path or telling anything about it. So it's being and non-being. Mm -hmm. Non-being cannot be. Mm -hmm. it, it, it just, it doesn't hold. So like, don't even bother going down that path now you know because because so many you know there's um in the, the Greek data they talk about asat and sat and the people translate that as being and non-being and, and and i think that's incorrect in in this term anyway she's she's basically saying don't even bother thinking about what non-being is there's only being mm -hmm. all right but what exists for thinking and being are one and the same See how it is that things far away are firmly present in your mind. Mm. For however much you want to, there is no way you will manage to cut being off from clinging fast to being. Okay, yeah, I want to. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, can you repeat that last part? Do you want it in the whole context or just that last part? The, the clinging and the being. For however much you want to, there is no way you will manage to cut being off from clinging fast to being. There is only what is. Mm -hmm. We're always in the present now. Right. And you can't cut off from the now. You can't cut off from being. Right. What exists for saying and for thinking must be. So thinking is on the um, manifest side. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the same as anything physical. Mm -hmm. So what exists for saying and for thinking must be, for it exists for it to be, but nothing does not exist. <laughs> you ponder that. Mm. This is the first road of inquiry that I hold you back from. But then I hold you back as well from the one that mortals fabricate, twin heads, knowing nothing. For helplessness in their chests is what steers their wandering minds as they are carried along in a daze, deaf and blind at the same time, indistinguishable 
undistinguishing crowds who reckon that being and non-being are the same, but not the same. And for all of them, the route they follow is a path that keeps turning backward on itself. Mm. So it's like circular thinking, I guess. It's so relevant to today, this, um, like I refer to it as shaky self-esteem or undeveloped right. self-esteem has right. people helplessness in their chests and they're like desperate. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So yes, so it's very interesting. Again, we're talking about the inception of Western civilization and this attempt to um, seed it as, 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 as sacral, as sacred. And then here we are at the end, you know, where, the, where it's, all, it's all still playing, which is, you know, which is our, you know, what we're particularly, what I write about, what we're trying to bring in, you know, in, in, the, in this mess and there's all these different people talking about this, that, and the other thing and ascension and, you know, and, and as you know, we, we've discussed on email, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the spiral evolution of consciousness and, and all that, all right? So this Persephone is giving us this gift and it's also the gift of logic. This, mm -hmm. this, where she delineates being and not being, a lot of people saying this is, this is the origin of logic. And it's a gift for Persephone, but it's not, and, and what Aristotle early on inverts this gift. This is this gift of everything bringing back to the experience of oneness. This is the whole purport mm -hmm. of it. Once you, once you are experiencing everything in oneness, oneness, that's being, right? That's full being in your experience. Then what Aristotle does and takes logic and uses it to categorize and, and divide. And mm -hmm. this is this. And then it's famously, you know, A is, you know, not A in, his, in, in Aristotelian logic. So that, so that he actually divides oneness and, and makes it impossible through his logic to put it back together again. Right. Stephanie is giving us a path to put it back together again. And, and right at the beginning of Western, this is what the, the sacred origins of Western, Western civilization is about, you know. Um, so this is from, it's a, oh, I'm sorry, Chris, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it no, sounds like it, like this is these distortions that we're living out according to this have been baked in from the get-go that man yes. is going to because of shakiness in his chest defer to lies and fictions yes very early on mm -hmm. you know it's a human condition i believe and with this uh gift from the goddess we're able to rise above that and function on a much higher level in our daily existence and culturally but then it pixelates well and it also what has a beginning has an end mm. even civilizations that's our our teacher at our yoga ashram she was very fond of saying that whatever you know that's the impermanence thing what has a beginning right. has an end and there's nothing to be lamented in this they would say in, in Gita. but in the midst of that there is something that's unchanging Right. And here and, and here it's being called being, you know, where it would be called, you know, Purusha and in yoga and, and what have you. You know, everybody's got a name for mm -hmm. it, Buddha mind, you know, whatever. Buddha gig. I'm guessing that um I got the Buddha gig piece. <laughs> that um Oh, I didn't get that. The separation of our senses and the elements from the divine 
is part of what has allowed us to become so confused because when we're not knowing yeah. our every breath as divine, the waters in our body as divine, all of that, then we avail ourselves to be disrespected. We disrespect ourselves mm -hmm. that it just mm -hmm. leads us to this like kind of materialist godlessness. Right. Yes. Right. I, uncoupling. You know what, what I think it was, I forget who was some of the Buddhists maybe early encountering, you know, relatively con contemporary Western culture, you know, saying that I don't get, we don't get this self-hatred thing. Oh, right. You know, it, just doesn't, it makes zero sense to us. Right. You know, where's that, you Everybody know, where does that come himself. from? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, well, you know, and certainly in recent times, it comes out of, it comes out of, you know, Freudian psychology, things like that. You know, that's one of the, 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 the horrific constructs, mm -hmm. you know, that, that inform really what's going on today. And of course, you know, all the, all the, uh, the um, cultural Marxism is Marxism plus Freudian psychology, you mm -hmm. know, basically. Mm -hmm. you know. I noticed that that was really notable to me in my travels through India. And I was first there in 99 of like, regardless of the, you know, the food situation or the water situation or just living with less, like they didn't have the neuroses right. that we're so afflicted with in the, like they're happy people. They're not dealing with manic depression, cutting, like all those things Bulimia. just aren't, yeah, none of those things are there for them. And I, they seem so me. much healthier mm -hmm. than we are. It's like and, a relief to be in a culture right, like that. Right, and and unfortunately, yeah. since, since you, you know, I think it's shifted there a lot too. Certainly it started because their, their well, education the system is in, is English. Globalism. You know. Um, yeah. But, Globalism. but you know, and now, so yes, I, and then, so you have reactionary, you know, like Modi is supposedly sort of, you know, going back to Hinduism. Um, but it's fundamental. But it's, but, it's but it's different. It's like, you know, Jerry Falwell, you know, considering that Christianity or something like that. Got um, it. You know, so it's it's not the same, and yeah, and so they they've they've the last. I mean, the let really the last bastion of the goddess on this planet um, was India, and and you know, and you can see now the women are being brutalized there, and it's it's awful. It's, yeah, it's awful. Really you know, um, so so let's follow Kali this. Yuga. Let's follow this path. There is only one tale of a path left to tell. That is. And along this way, there are many, many signs that as well as being birthless, it is also deathless and whole and of a single kind and unmoving, and neither is it incomplete. That's the totality, and it doesn't mm -hmm. move, okay? Always now, always present. It never was and never will be because it is now altogether one holding to itself, for what possible birth of it will you look for? In what way could it have grown? From what? To say or think from what is not is something I will not allow you because there is no saying or thinking that is not. And besides, if it started out from nothing, what could have made it come into being later rather than sooner? Hmm. Right. That, that's such a mind bender, that last part. I know. Yeah. 
Yeah. You want to read it again? It's, it's, yes. it's amazing. It's you know, I really, it's, this is really amazing, it's, and no one studies this. Poem. It's delicious. It, it's it's so poem, yummy. It's just delicious. It never was, and it never will be, because it is now. Mm -hmm. All together. Oh, I love that. She's saying there's no past, there's no future. Right. It's now. It's always it's now. It's always now. <laughs> and you can have that experience. Holding to itself. It's self-contained. So there's none of this like codependency. It's just self-contained. Don't you know how good it feels to be in the presence of someone who's self-contained? Yeah. You can relax in their presence. Totally. You can just let go yeah. because they're not grabbing at you. They don't want anything from you. They don't need anything from you. They're completely self-contained and you can just bask in that. Right. And it's so refreshing. It's like fresh water going over you. Yeah. For what possible birth of it will you look for? In what way could it have grown? How could it have grown? Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't exist. It's just not, it's here. From what? To say or to think from what is not is something that I will not allow you. So it couldn't have grown from something that is not. Right. Because there is no saying or thinking that is not. Mm -hmm. And besides, if it started out from nothing, what could have made it come into being later rather than sooner? It's just a poetic way of well, saying. If it starts out all. with nothing and it comes into being, that means it's 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 within time, right? Mm -hmm. And that you know that like blows big, the Big Bang theory, right? With big like the Big Bang, you know. So they have to keep on coming up. Well, then what was before the Big Bang, and then what was before the that bigger bang? And Neither whatever. will the strength of persuasive proof ever permit anything to come into being out of non-being alongside it. And this is why justice has not allowed freedom for creation or destruction by relaxing her constraining grip. Instead, she holds fast. That's real interesting. So how does that hold up with all the transhumanist fuckery we're seeing right now where they're, they're like standing on air they have nothing they have no foundation go ahead right. yes and so so, so it's not it, ha it has no legs is what you're saying well it has no substance mm -hmm. it's all mental it's all a mental construct right there's they're yeah. all up in their heads and yes yeah, so as we said there's if you, you can follow the history of science from you know aristotle to bacon you know to descartes to, to stephen hawking as this can to uh, what's his name, Carl Sagan, and uh, Neil deGrasse. <laughs> How do you really worst, feel about him? <laughs> and, and the worst, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know, um, as this movement of further, 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 further extraction, and and the transhumanist is the final abstraction. Right. Abstraction. They think, think that they that 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 they can encase themselves into this this metal thing and 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 uh, their consciousness because because they've abstracted um consciousness into well first of all it's, it's based one on the on the on the, the theory of the meat brain and that the fact that our consciousness is nothing but an epiphenomenon mm. of neurons firing Chemistry. right you know it's like you know you, you like 
I've uh, peeled a carrot. Oh, and I have these little gratings things, you know, that 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 you know I can compost or whatever. And so, so, th so it's all dependent. Michio Kaki and all those idiots. It's all <laughs> dependent on this idea that that this meat brain is, in other words, so, so you know, so they 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 start off understanding the brain as binary, right? And so, oh, the neurons fire, they don't. Right? So right. that's all the brain is. Well, it's not all the brain is. There's all sorts of other interesting things going on in the brain, which of course they've, they've come to know, but computers were modeled on that binary system. Mm -hmm. So they developed the computer. So then they take, oh, well, we can take the computer and model the brain now, right? Let's talk about this movement of abstraction, right? So now everything they think they know about the brain is based on a computer model. Right. So therefore, right. Right. So <laughs> there, therefore, Right, so there's these nested Russian dolls, except they're not pretty. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so they're stuck, and so the, so they think that all they new need is a is a big enough computer, and they can and they can copy consciousness. This is this is the theory behind all of it, behind right. Ray Kurzweil, behind uh, Google, the whole thing, right? Yeah, and that doesn't mean they can't mess with it, which which they do continuously. Right. So. You know, so it's untenable philosophically, right? You know, for 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 the for this for the transhumanist end. And game. it's interesting though that a lot of these the neocons and their ilk base a lot of their beliefs on Plato, but it's a distortion of Plato's teachings. Yes. Right? Yes. And um, where do you where do you see the fundamental distortion, Chris? Well, they're they're taking it to be something that um, is purely physical, right? Right, they go and and it reminds me again of Steiner's teachings with of Araman, mm -hmm. and in this it's all in yoga. You would say it's on the prakritic side of so if you got Purusha and Prakriti, so Purusha being pure consciousness, mm -hmm. which for me, every time I hear we're going to develop our consciousness, I get like Ajita when I hear that because that doesn't work that way. Right, right. So pure consciousness, and then you've got manifestation, which is which even thought is on the side of manifestation. Right. You know, the Tutfa chart, you know, you know how it all breaks down. Yeah. And so Steiner is talking about this aramonic or, you know, very critic side, pure <laughs> materialism. And so they read Plato through purely a materialistic view. Right. And then they implement that with brutality. It's a brutal system. Oh, completely. It's, right. it's based on brutality. Right. And, so that's yeah, how I yeah, see it. The, the, yeah. the, P, the PNAC people who, the Project for New American Century, who are the people behind 9-11, um, you know, and they, they came out and in Chicago 99. Chicago School of which Economics. Is, which is people like Cheney, Rumsfeld, Obama. William Crystal. <laughs> I know he's not Obama in, I know he's not in PNAC. De but. By default, but, you know, Jeb Bush, all these, all these luminaries. Mm -hmm. um, they, you know, so they especially um, Wolfowitz, studied under this guy named Leo Strauss, and they took what he said about Plato's Republic and distorted that, as far as I can tell, because I don't think Leo Strauss would have endorsed what they did. Right. And they took what's, what's, um, what, what gets translated as the noble lie in the yep. Republic, right? And, but the word means um, false. The actual word is like false beginning or something like that. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure of it. Of what it uh, of translation right now, but it's something like that. It doesn't mean noble lie, and they of course thought that they were the elite, 
and therefore they could enact one noble lie after another. Of course, it only ennobles them. Because they know what's know. best. So hence 9-11. Right, because they're superior. Right, yes. to get their, their yes. aims. I don't know how they came to that conclusion. So, hence 9-11, hence <laughs> January 6th, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's been, you know, this, the, the last couple of decades. It's been a bloodbath. Has been, yeah, one, one lie after another by these people who think that they know better than us. They think they're smarter than us. Um, but they're not. They, all they do they're is they- are so not. They're just not even close. No, no, they just have the muscle. It's it's a it's a it's a cabal. It's a mafia cabal. That's all it is. Yeah, the decision in these matters. Oh wait, hold on one sec. Because okay. one thing that I did want to say is that, you know, I've been tracking the whole like Me Too conversation and this neo feminist thing, and you know, in the New Age community, it's the return of the divine feminine. Mm. And I think that the the men women. Ref expression of it is so downstream from the origin. And I think this is actually the origin point, this hyper rationalism and the elevation of reason and logic over emotion and knowingness. Like, I think that's the origin point of, of this whole thing. And I don't think it has to do with like making Oprah the president. I no, think it has to do with this is yeah. in the service of the divine. Yes. That's the difference. Yes. So they can take Plato's words and distort them to fit their agenda, their their selfish agenda. Yes. But this is selfless and it's in the service of yes. humanity and the uplift of humanity. Yes. That's the difference. Humanity as divine. Yes. You know, this is all this is all within and and locatable within our experience. Yes. You know, to understand that there's this silent stillness mm. that pervades our experience. And that's why people meditate. Yes. That's why people meditate because that's the only way you're, you're not going to get it, you know, um, you know uh, in Congress. You're, gonna, you're not going to get, you know, you have to, you have to do some sort of practice. And the practice here was, was incubation, which was, which for Parmenides, Parmenides, would have had this vision and sinking down into the underworld. He would have felt himself sinking down the underworld and would have had this vision. And then, of course, since it's incantatory, it would be used um, in the context of allowing you to you know, repeat, mm -hmm. to go down and make that connection yourself. Right? Yeah. You know, otherwise, why have an incantatory poem? Right. 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 Yeah, exactly. It's and and just that literally. And that fundamental difference between like the rationalist materialist thinking that nothingness is nothingness versus nothingness is everything is access to everything. Mm -hmm. Good, good. That's good. Yes, because, because there is in your uh, um, in yoga, there's you know you say so you know something about yoga, prakriti, but then there's what's called mula prakriti. Mula means root in Sanskrit, mm -hmm. and so that's the root. So in that root, it, because the divine masculine and feminine are distinct, but not separate mm -hmm. in, 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 the, in the ultimate yoga vision, which is sometimes called Ishvara, mm -hmm. right? You, you have to, right, so, that, so you, can, you can distinguish them in your experience, but you can't have one without the other. You mm -hmm. can't have manifestation without consciousness. You right. can't have... Um, consciousness without at least the substrate of manifestation which is the sometimes called pure potentiality 
So it's from whence all things springs. And that again is another experience. And if you have that experience, you're not there. Right. How can you be, how, how can you have the, you know, so it's an odd experience because everything's gone. Right. And then you only know it by its trace when you come back out. Mm -hmm. Oh, the traceless you know, is always coming into traces. Or yeah, Rumi always Rumi says, says that. The traceless, yeah. yeah, the traces is always coming into, into traces. traces. So, mm -hmm. you know, so, so that's, that, that's what happens. And you, you're gone because the, then you say, oh, my selfhood, my ego, it's a, it's a freaking illusion. It's a joke. Right. You know? But I need it. I right. need it, you know? <laughs> and sometimes I take it seriously. Right. And that's why in the Bhagavad Gita, after chapter 11, that, that unit of experience that he has on the battlefield, there are like seven more chapters after that because you can't live in that state. Mm. You have to come out of that, but you come back different. You come right. back change and you come back now and you can feed the culture within which you are embedded right. Right. with this divine eye. Right. said, give me the divine eye so that I may right. see. Right. You can of persuade Bible. of the capital T truth right. now right. that you've had that right, experience. Right. You're an ambassador. Yeah, yeah, you're an ambassador to it. They say the wise man, the wise person makes all things all attractive. things attractive, mm -hmm. right? So you oh, attract, like, like Chris was saying, you know, you're attracted to someone who has some kind of wisdom. At the end of the Bhagavad Gita, very close to the very end of it, Krishna tells Arjuna, "Now that you now that you know, do what you will." But it's now that you know, which is very different from the Crowleyan. You know, do what thou will shall be the whole of the law, whole of the law, right? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. When you know nothing. <laughs> when you know nothing. Which right. is running the show now. Is, exactly. Is, so you're you're running on your desires, or are you running on your connection with with the divine in all of this? That's such a massive differentiation right there. Um, that it was only after he had that experience yes. that he was given that directive. That's, That's right. huge. Yes, right. it is huge. Right. And it's, I think it's overlooked, but it's something that we were, we were so fortunate to have the teachers we had mm -hmm. because they were steeped in Western philosophy as well. Mm. And so our teacher, Gene, was, you know, he and, and one, other, one or two other fellows from the ashram went to Stony Brook University mm -hmm. and they studied with Antonio de Nicholas who mm -hmm. did translation of the Bhagavad Gita, but, you know, they also learned the Western philosophy. And Gene studied with... Um... Thomas oh, Berry. Thomas Berry. In and, Fordham. Yeah, at Fordham University. Mm -hmm. So Gene had this incredible articulation and mm -hmm. was able to impart, we're Westerners, we need to know ourselves first, so we need to study this Western philosophy. Mm -hmm. So we got this two-pronged education. Mm -hmm. We got to know, well, who are you as a Westerner? What filter are you seeing this Eastern philosophy through? It was invaluable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that was the one who had that insight. And, and we should all get this in high school. This is high school level. Totally. Yeah. Just to teach us how to think and to understand, as you said, yes. the civilization that none of us seem to have yes. grasped correctly as of yet. Yes. This as well as Latin and Greek. Latin and Greek were taken out of the high school. They, that used to be a high school level education. Yeah. They Wasn't it Nixon who took that out? I don't know. I th it may I go back know. to Kennedy when he when he really seemed mm -hmm. to institute the sciences, which is somebody you know is, is really. I mean, this is my understanding mm -hmm. as much as Kennedy and Robert Kennedy could you know Robert Kennedy could like quote catalysts from memory yeah. you know in speeches, mm -hmm. um, you know they seemed to, they, there was a the movement towards the science 
and engineering yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, in education yeah. um, and, hmm. and, and the, the classics fell away at that time. The only reason I have any kind of a foundation in any of that is because I went to Catholic school and at that time they were still saying the mass in Latin. Mm. And I just absorbed through osmosis the Latin that right. allowed me to see in my own English language the roots of the words and what they meant. Just I love that, that you had that. And reading seed catalogs, <laughs> learning the plant names in Latin. It just came in by osmosis, you know. So just, just looking at that and it just absorbed in. But that's invaluable. Just that that it wasn't even structured. It was just in the background. Right. And is that and does that continue to inform how you understand language to this every day? Every day, every, yeah. every day. Yeah. The first thing I do when I look, oh, what's, wow, what's, oh, that's an interesting word. What's the root of that? And then I just either, if I don't know what the root is, if I can't recognize it, most of them I can, I'll go look it up. Mm. We just had a really nice interview with Freeman Fly. Mm -hmm. And he came up with this crazy word. Oh, I wrote it down it's on my messy desk somewhere. But um, I was like, wow, it was something to do with decrepitization or something. No, mm -hmm. crepitization. Anyway, I was like, huh, well, that's an interesting word. Crepid. Does that have anything to do with decrepit? You know, so then he jumped online and looked it up and we had this whole nice conversation around this word that he was just, you know, it was a throwaway, you know, he was just super fun. Oh, I, was, oh, I just came across his word and it's such a cool word. I'm using it now, mm. you know, but yeah, to, to develop an interest and curiosity. Yeah. Notice that what's lacking today mm. is curiosity. It's like, look, if you're reading something in this, there's something in there that's, kind of shining and shimmering it's like like oh i wonder what that means and then you can follow that where's the curiosity it's right recent. there's when, like flat flatlined when did you start to notice that slipping away when i started to pay attention politically let's see i would say like everyone else once trump was elected we all upped our game, right? So we may have had a baseline interest in some things, right? And they were sufficient for getting us through our lives, our daily existence, and understanding what was going on. But the intensity that came in with Donald J. Trump really energized everybody. Yeah. And so depending on what your background is, you know, that energy is going to be channeled in a particular stream. Right. And those are my interests. And so that got lit up. Yeah. You know, I started noticing it more sometimes in, you know, people in our own circles, like, well, there's a lack of curiosity and like you have an opinion, you have a strong opinion about something, but you're telling me that, oh, I don't listen to that. I don't have time. I don't, I don't do research. I don't look at that stuff. I don't have time. I thought, well, then how can, then you don't have a right to have an opinion. Right. <laughs> you haven't done the work. Well, that's the, and, and part of the spell is that you think that, that those opinions are yours. Yes. You yes. think that the, your thoughts I are thought your own. That for years, I thought that. Mm -hmm. In my younger years, I thought, oh, of course they're my idea. Of course I'm thinking, they must be my idea. No, they are not. Right. 
I was disabused of that notion. Yeah. When did you start ago. to when did you start to clue into the fact that your opinions weren't your opinions? I think it was probably back in the nineties. In the when we studied maybe, from, maybe the Armstrong. Yeah, we studied from about eighty five to ninety five when we were just you. We spent ten years doing practices all the time, and and then the people were very good at giving you practices that you know alongside of the you know the traditional practices things. So I'll give you one example. To show how you can, to show how you, how uh, how it's how you can how you make the world. He, um, Gene had us um, put on. We had like an altar oh where we sit in front, right? And he said, "Just take something really obscure, you know, because all these beautiful statues and candles and all that." Um, so take something that you would never, you know, consider sacred. Put it on there and meditate on it and make it sacred. So I chose a roll of toilet paper. Thanks. And, I, and I meditated to the roll of toilet paper and damn, it didn't happen. It was <laughs> the holiest toilet paper that, you know, you'd ever seen, you know, after, after, you know, a week or two of working on it, but that was the kind of thing that we did. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are all sorts of practices. So that's, you know, how you were working at, you know, breaking down your programming, basically, basically we were, we were deprogramming that's ourselves. That's right. That's a good point. That's exactly what it was. You know. Yeah. Mm. I love anything that. Else, anything else before you continue? Uh, I'll, I'll hold them. Okay. No, is yeah. it something that you wanted to? Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm super curious about you guys. But I don't want to interrupt our flow. But I. Well, it's up I, to Danny. It's up to Danny. We'll, we'll follow you. Whatever you want. Um, We've been going for a little while, so we can share. Well, we can jump back into the book, but I. I just love that you guys. Our romantic partners, our partners in evolution, our creative partners. That I find that so rare. So, like mm. you were at the ashram together. Did you guys both get the hit to join at the same time concurrently? Did one mm. follow the other? Well, you want the origin tale. You want the, the real origin, origin tale. The, the origin, the, origin tale. The origin. I do. Myth. <laughs> All right. So this is the this is the myth of Chris and Steve. Okay. Okay. So um, I'll start it. For okay. You. So anyway, we were working at a at a so there's a at a psychiatric hospital on Long Island called Kings Park. I had been I had done like I just spent six months traveling around Europe backpacking. Spent three months traveling through Turkey. I came back and couldn't get a job anywhere. I ended up um, getting a job at this psych hospital because I was I was big, and so they threw me onto the uh, to the admissions ward. And, uh, and eventually I, I just did the medications because I was kind of the only one there who could add. And um, so I worked there, Chris was a recreation worker there. So she would take, you know, she had a recreation room, pool tables, she would have all the programs. Patients loved her because, you know, she'd show movies, right. um, play trivial. Mental patients are really good at trivial pursuit, by the way. Oh yeah. They were amazing. That's right. Um, uh, huh. So um, anyway, so it started with uh, she had a, a poster, a travel poster, travel poster of a kabuki, of a kabuki, and and inside it was the same well, on his sleeve. On inside the sleeve there. was a triple dorje. Back to the dorje. Okay. And the door, and, and so, and it was the same symbol you see on the on the classic. Tibetan Book of the Dead with the one that Evans Wentz, Evans -Wentz translated. And then I think Jung has the, uh, the, the introduction to it. So um, 
So, you know, at the time, you know, I'm, I've got like nobody to really kind of talk about even, even what I knew back then with. So, you know, so I walk into the recreation room and said, oh, there's, you know, there's the Lamaic triple door J, you know. And so Chris, to Chris. And, and Chris said. What did you say? I forget. I said, oh, well, that's what's on the cover of the Tibetan Book of the Dead by Evans Wentz. Right. <laughs> and so. So we started talking. That. Let's up. Turned out that she's the only other person, and maybe still the only other person, who's uh, read the who read the entirety of uh, Gurdjieff's Beelzebub's Tales to his grandson, which is that's impressive because that book needs an edit. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> oh, gone through sure. lots of edits. It's a tough, it's a tough read, but it, <laughs> and it's like I don't know, fifteen, sixteen hundred pages, something it's like long. that. It's but, long. But so, yeah. so to find somebody who read and that was was pretty incredible so we started having conversations right and uh, but of course chris was um married unhappily at the time and so you know and i have this um ancient <laughs> i have I have this ancient um pythagorean maybe maybe thing um where i don't cross that line and never would respect so that's so that was just I don't know how it was instilled in me and it's it maybe it goes back a long way. So um, then you can continue with the. Uh, so with I was the, at uh, the tail end of a bad marriage. Mm -hmm. I had been in that marriage for 14 years and maybe five years preamble. And it was, you know, it was already gone. It's gone. It was dead in the water. And so one day in the mail comes a brochure from the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a peace conference in Malta. And people on the dais are going to be uh, Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, Marilyn Ferguson, or Jahan Sadat. And I was like, wow. You know, I was like, wow. What would it be like to be in the same room, just in the same room with those people? Mm -hmm. And so I thought, wow, I'd love to go. So I showed it to my husband at the time. I knew he would have zero interest in that. Um, but I asked him first. And so he said, nah, not interested. So I brought it into work and I thought, if I can't go, somebody should go. This is so wonderful. So I work with a lot of professionals. I'll bring it into the coffee room and just share it. If anybody wants to take up it on the offer, great. You know, Nobody was interested. So from there, I went down to the rec room, opened up the rec room. Steve came down with, brought the patients in and I had it on my desk and I was like, look at this, isn't this interesting? And he first words out of his mouth was, you wanna go? So I was like, yeah, I do. So we started looking at going to Malta, but it was crazy expensive. So then we thought, okay, well, maybe we'll try Findhorn. Well, that was too expensive. And maybe we'll try Tibet. That was too expensive. So Steve had just recently come back off six months of traveling in Turkey and Europe. And so his travel friend, Peter, said to him, well, why don't you take her to Turkey? So he comes in and he says, how about we go to Turkey? I say, what are you nuts? Why would I want to go to Turkey? My only reference for Turkey at the time was that movie Midnight Express. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and all I could remember was the guy in this dungeon prison. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to Turkey. So he said, okay, before you say no, let me bring in my travel journals and read my travel journals. Well, I was smitten. 
when I read these travel journals, I was like, Alice in Wonderland. So then he said, and then what I can do is I can bring in my slides and we can have a slideshow for the patients. And I can show you what Turkey is like and what the people are like. That clinched it. Aww. So then I was like, okay, let's go to Turkey. So we started planning and that was in the fall of 84. And then in May of 85, we went to Turkey and backpacked for a month. I had never been out of the country. I had never been out of, I was 35 years old, never been out of the country. I'm telling you, I was like Alice in Wonderland, fell through the rabbit hole. When I got there, I was at home. Oh my God, this place is amazing. Yeah. The ancient culture was in your face. You were, you were just steeped in this ancient culture. And then, but they were modern too. So you would see two women walking down the street and one would have a burqa on and the other one would have a, like a business suit and an attache case and high heels. Maybe going along to, you know, it was like this beautiful, comfortable dance that they were doing with antiquity and modernity. Mm. And I was just overwhelmed with the beauty of the place and the people. So. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then. Um, Wait, and uh, Chris, your husband didn't take issue with you well, because, getting off? No, no because no. he was always trying to push me out of the marriage. He, he spent like the last seven years of our marriage trying to get rid of me. Okay. So I was, Chris like, was like, oh, no. Oh, I can, yeah. I, I, was, can, I can salvage this. Yeah, I was like, you know, mm. I didn't grow up that way. I just thought, you know, my mother and father, my father died when I was four in a car accident and my mm. mother adored him. I grew up thinking that my father was a saint. Mm. So to me, it was just unthinkable that you would, what do you, mean you don't love me. I couldn't get it through my head, but eventually I did. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> you know? So after seven that's, years of, you know, we were married stupid. 14, then, but that's maybe not stupid. Yeah. So, you know, eventually I was like, Okay, fuck you. I'm leaving. You know, I'm done. I'm done. Be careful what you wish for, because I can, you know. Okay, we're done. So no, he didn't have a leg to stand on. Okay. Because it was his wish that I leave. Yeah. So. So and, and as an adjunct to the story, the in 19 around 78 when I was in college, I had a dream, and in this dream, uh, it was just basically a tombstone. And, you know, and then you go in and look and on the tomb, because it's not often you can actually read in your dreams. Right. Um, but the right. tomb, tombstone clearly had my name on it and the date, May 1st, 1985 on it. And so it was seven years in the future. And as it turned out, the date the flight took off for us traveling to Turkey was May 1st, 1985. Mm -hmm. And, and were, were you aware of that when you took yes. off, Steve? Yeah, but it just, yes, it just turned out, yes. And but I told I her, <laughs> I waited till the plane was in the air till I told her about it. <laughs> well, Did that I, freak you out, Chris? Nah, no. I'm, I'm, I don't scare No, because my old okay. self died and my new self was born that day. It was, you know, because I don't- I was amused. You know, death in dreams is, is, is not, you know, physical death. Right. Maybe sometimes it is, I don't know. But anyway, I, I didn't have any feeling of that. And just the way things worked out, and I had to build up because I was new on the job, so I had to build up a certain amount of vacation time, mm -hmm. you know, before we left uh, to get us. What we were like almost a month, I think we were backpacking through Turkey. Oh, it was divine. You know, it was divine. You know, and a lot Every of time, and, 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 and you know, divine. you know, and some time in Istanbul, and a lot of time, you know, in in Anatolia, and it was and it was like at the end of the old Turkey. 
um, you know, before it really got, you know, all the products were, you know, home, you know, their toothpaste was a Turkish brand of toothpaste and, you know, their, their own cola and their own beer, things like that. And everything you know. smelled different. You get down to the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul and all the Spice Bazaar down by, by the Galata Bridge. Oh, you could smell the spices like 10 blocks away. It was just permeated the air. It was just the smells, the sights, the culture, everything was just yeah. I, I was so in my element. It's Loved still, it. Yeah, it took us 30 Loved years, it. 30 years to get back in 2015. And yeah, we were able to go, we we're able to go out to go back to Tepe. Um, and we only stayed there two days because things were, things were dodgy with, with ISIS and all that. And um, it was kind of, it was a transfer point where, you know, if you, you probably know that Ukraine has been the staging ground for arms human tra arms and human trafficking for a long Money time. Laundering. So back then the arms that were feeding ISIS were going through that part of Turkey. And then and then ISIS would be, you know, selling oil to Turkey. And all so it was a little dangerous. Stuff. We went um, to a city called Shamlurfa. It's a very old city, old, old. The pool of Abraham is there. So Abraham, the cave of Abraham, where he was supposed to have been born. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's ancient and it's a pilgrimage site for Muslim people. Beautiful, beautiful, a beautiful ancient city. Beautiful city. Um, and so, but things were hot mm -hmm. at the time. So we registered with the State Department to let them know that we were going to this remote area. It's right on the Syrian border. So okay. You could look from, from, Gobekli Tepe, you stand up on top of the hill. You know, are you familiar with it with the ancient archaeological you don't know site? Tepe? Okay, oh. so we'll we'll fill that in. Uh, but you could look out onto the plains of Syria. Wow. That's how close we were to the Syria. You were looking at Syria from there. So we only stayed there two nights, like in and out, just see the archaeological dig and then leave. Well worth it. Nice. Yeah. So you can Yeah, in the late 90s, these series of um it's like Stonehenge, except with animal carvings on them. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. oh, you have to, G-O-B-E-K-L-I, second word, T-E-P-E. -E. Okay. So it means, it, some people translate it as Potbelly Hill or Pot something Billy like Hill. Hill, Pregnant Hill. And what, what it is, it's these T-shaped these pillars. And they've, they, uh, they've dug up maybe about five of them. There may be 20 in this hill. And they are pre-agricultural. They're 12,000 years old. Wow, and so it it completely throws archaeology on its head because archaeology has always said, you know, well they invented agriculture, then people sort of hung around long enough, and then they started building stuff, you know. Well, it turns out there's no settlements here either, <clears throat> and this is kind of like you know traditionally Garden of Eden area, you know, mm -hmm. literally part of eastern yeah. Turkey. Anyway, so they have these these incredible carvings. They're all you know, archaeo, um, astrology, astronomy, um, pointed, a lot of people think it points to the uh, constellation Cygnus, mm -hmm. um, you know, the ancient um, Anatolian cultures, they were the vulture, the vulture goddess was very important. So, you know, Cygnus is a swan constellation, but could also be considered a vulture constellation. Of course, the vulture is the destructive side of the goddess. The goddess is, you know, creation, sustaining and, and, and disillusion. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the um, so so the vulture is always the goddess is always eating us, you mm -hmm. know, um, it's one of her pastimes. So uh, but they've only uncovered one site, one circle. They think there are 20 of them. 
and and others in other hills there. I mean, it could be like this massive, and they're they're just dragging their feet and uncovering it for whatever reasons. The Turkish. Well, one of the reasons is Erdogan, besides being uh, an asshole, um, you know, he's he's he thinks he's the reincarnation of well, not they wouldn't do reincarnation, but he he thinks of himself as an Ottoman sultan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so he, he, everything he promotes is from the Ottoman times. And, you know, to say that there was this massive, incredible civilization uh, 12,000 years ago, you know, so, it, and so this was formed right at the end of the last ice age. Okay. Right. So there was the end of the ice, last ice age. And then there was an event which caused the flood, which our friend Randall Carlson thinks is a comet that hit the, um, the ice shelf in Canada, which would have been like five miles thick at the time. Mm and you know caused this massive unleashing of water um which you know I, you know I, I think he's got a really good case mm -hmm. um so then so so that kind of happens and sets back so anyway at the end of that these temples are built mm -hmm. and, uh, and so there's um who's uh, andrew collins is a real good author who's done a lot of his research on that good, yeah. he's done a lot of research you know i don't always agree with the conclusions but you know his his research is really good but anyway, he knows a lot about that and looking at the, uh, the the angles of everything, and they've uncovered other sites. And he's connected with the megalithomania group, yeah. if you know that group. Yeah, I don't. They're, they're interesting. They just look at all these sites around the world. They visit sites, yeah, archaeological sites. You know, what are they aligned to, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Anyway, Gobekli Tepe is an incredible site, and so it's still there. There's still, you know, the, the pillars are still out, and there's, you know, um, you know, again, vultures, um, tigers, um, all so sorts of all animals. these years later, they haven't delved into the other 20 sites. No, no they haven't not yet. They haven't even Crazy. cleaned up the original site. They're back to the German um, archaeologist who was heading up the dig died of eight years ago now. I don't know how many years ago um before we were there yeah it was before we were there we were there in 2015 and he maybe died the year before mm -hmm. um so they've only recently picked it up again okay and i don't know what the status is at this point but I, they can't be that far along from yeah you know, and then they, they and they recently earlier uh, last year or earlier this year another site called karahan tepe k-a-r-a-h-a-n which is this even more interesting more interesting it's about i don't know about it maybe a half hour drive away or something and it's it, this it's obviously an early initiation site there's this uh, room that's 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 the, there's like 11 pillars and they're all cut out of a, of, of a single piece of bedrock and then in the middle there's this huge snake head coming out not a snake head but the head of somebody with like a long neck like a snake being of some kind coming out into the middle of this room um i get, just check it out it's like it's amazing stuff it's k-a-r-a-h-a-n karahan tepe anyway so you know so this i think there's something to be said about here we are at the we're talking about the end of of western civilization now this is this is another cycle. So I think we're in nested cycles, seems like. So there's the cycle of Western civilization. There's the cycle of America, you know, that's ending. It's like all these cycles are, are, are coming to an end. So part what, what apocalypse means is unveiling. Right. right. So all these things are being unveiled. Doesn't mean shit being blown up, you know. Um, right. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. And and so these sites in what Eastern Turkey are are becoming unveiled to us now, you know at the end of this and this is again part of part of 
the, uh, the, the original note. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we were there and it's got an energy and we kind of like, I, I try to tune into it, you know, and I don't get stuff, you know, I don't get, you know, oh, it means this, 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 and the other thing. Yeah, I don't know. But everything changed for us when we came back. True. So it you know, could have been that upped our game. Talk about up in our game. It right? could have been the time of man, or it could have just been timing, our timing, but it coincided. So after we came back in 2015, that was in April, May. Um, well, the election was just gearing up. We still thought Trump was an idiot because we're New Yorkers and we know better, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and then that jerk, are you serious? Um, so at that time, had you not tuned into conspiracies to the Mark Six? Yes, we well, had yes, from, over, from but we didn't know as much as we know now. From nine eleven, and then following, you know, and then we, yeah, yeah, we were always and following all the, you know, the the, the crazy false flag mass like killings. When the day the towers went down, as we we're watching them, we just looked at each other and said, "Obviously, that's an inside job." So you know, yeah, we we you were just a little that. kid then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I trust that you are enjoying my conversation with the preemies so much that you are leaping out of your seat wanting to know where can I find part two of this conversation? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> you can find part two of this podcast interview and all of my podcast interviews on my locals and my Patreon pages where paid supporters get access to all of my second half conversations as well as oodles of extra bonus content as well as discounts for webinars and workshops and opportunities to drop in with me one-on-one, -on -one, opportunities to drop in with the tribe on monthly Zoom calls. So you can find the second half of this conversation by becoming a paid supporter at dannycats.locals.com and at patreon.com slash dannycats. Before you navigate on over, Please remember to hit that subscribe button to like and to share while remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness. Have a rockin' day. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And as you are inspired to learn more about my quantum languaging work, about my books, my homeschool courses, my transformational and empowered badassery coaching, check out my website, dannycats.com. As well, track all of my latest content on my locals page, dannycats.locals.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon, tribe. <laughs>